Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I just want to continue on with what I've been teaching on last Wednesday, and um, that was, it was about the Word of God, but it was, it was more particularly about the Word becoming flesh in our lives. What does that mean? And, you know, um, I want to start looking at what we, what I didn't get to cover last week and uh, take it from there. Amen. So we were in John chapter one and we looked at how the word of God, the Logos, just turn with me there really quickly, actually, and we'll just read those verses. John chapter one, you know, very, very familiar portion of scripture. But as we started to unpack it last week, we, we, you know, we began to realize what it's actually saying here and the importance of, of, of God's word. You know, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning. When was the beginning? Start. At the very, very start. So there was nothing before this. In the very beginning, his word was there. In the beginning was the word, and that is the Greek word logos. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So we were talking about how, you know, Jesus, the word, first of all, it was was there at the beginning. It, It was in our past, it's in our present, it's right now with us, and it will be forever with us. It's in our future. Because why, church? The word of God endures forever. The word of God is everlasting. It never fades away. Kings on this earth and kingdoms on this earth will pass away. This earth will pass away. Heaven will pass away. But his word will stand forever. Amen. And his word is powerful. And then we began to look at how um, Jesus is the word. You know, he is the living expression, as it says in the Passion Translation. The blueprint. Amen. And I love that example. It is the very thoughts of our Father, as Jesus is an express image of the Father. And we looked at that in Hebrews chapter 1. It's not just a book. It's not just our manual for success. It's alive, and it's part of God himself. It's alive, and it's part of God himself. You know, we ought to, when we get a, a, a revelation of this and what this truly means, it, it, our church, it compels us, it urges us to have a greater respect and reverence for God's word. You know, we looked at um, on down in verse 14, it says, the word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. What is this speaking of? It's speaking of Jesus. How the very word, the Logos, the living expression Jesus himself came as flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, Jesus came as flesh and, you know, we celebrate that at this time of year as well. Christmas time, the birth of Jesus, the birth of our Savior. That's what it's all about, church. The miracle of God himself coming as flesh. Why? To be our savior. So that he could become our savior. Amen. So that, and not only that, remember we looked at that last week also. Jesus didn't just come to be our savior as a baby born to Mary. He came to be our example. So that we can follow in his footsteps. And we can't, we could never do that on our own strength or by ourselves. That's why he's given us Holy Spirit. To empower us, to enable us. 
He would never leave us unprotected. He would never leave us in a place of vulnerability. He's empowered us and he's equipped us. He's given us the counselor, the Holy Spirit, our advocate. Oh, church, what, a, what good news. You know, through the power of his word and Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we can walk in his glory, grace, and truth. So Jesus came as flesh, we beheld his glory, and he walked in grace and truth. And we can begin to walk in his glory, grace, and truth. Because why? We're in him. You need, to, you need to change the way you're looking at things. If you're not looking at yourself in him, then you need to realign your focus. You need to get this understanding because it is so important that you do. It will completely change your life. We can take our example from Jesus and walk as he walked. He, the Logos word, became flesh so we could enter into relationship with him. So we could become intimate with him. It's about a relationship. So we covered these things. So what we must do now is allow the word to continually become flesh in our lives. It's not enough for our sakes just, oh yes, the word became flesh. Yes, Jesus came as a baby and he was a savior to all mankind. And yes, I received him. I believed him. I accept him as my Lord and savior and I'm good to go. And then that's it. It's no good that we do that. Why? Because we have to get his word, the word, the logos, the living expression, Jesus himself to start becoming flesh through us. So that why? We begin to look more like him. We put the word in, we put the word on, we, it becomes part of who we are. So it, then it means we continue, once we get the word, we plant it in our hearts, we conceive it, it continues to bear the very attributes of God. You know, when that conception of God's word takes place, it bears fruit. And we said, conception always produces something. It always brings something forth. Okay, so when we conceive God's word, it will produce what church? Good fruit. Amen. And that's what we want. So if it's conceived where? In our hearts, in our spirit man, in the, on the inside. If it's conceived in there, it begins to grow in there. How does it, it's the same with a baby. A baby's conceived and it begins to grow on the inside until it's the day arrives for it to come out. So when you... When you conceive God's word on the inside of you, it begins to produce fruit. So remember we said, it's not about going to the word and going to the word and going to the word and trying to pull, 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 pull something from the outside and put it in. You are, it's part of who you are and it's in the inside of you coming out. Because while you're conceiving it on the inside and it's flowing out of you, it automatically bears good fruit. So, you know, we begin to talk like Jesus. We begin to act like Jesus. We begin to look like Jesus. The word is no longer a separate entity. Oh yes, the word's here and I'm going to, the word is no longer separate from us and we're here and it's there. It, it's part of us. We're aligned. We're one. It's becoming flesh in us. We are in Christ. Christ is his word. Therefore, we're one with his word. There's an alignment there. So I want you to turn with me tonight to 2 Peter chapter 1. Are we good on those things so far? So in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Isn't that good news? It's, not just, it's, it's just not given to us. It's multiplied to us. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, 
as his divine power has given to us what things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust which is speaking of our desires. You see, when we're in Christ, our desires change. Did you notice that? Anybody that's reborn in here this evening, when you become part of Christ, when you become in him and you become saved and he redeems you, he purchases you by the blood of Jesus, by his own precious blood, you know, what moved you? What, um, like, what was your drive? What was your motivation? It, that changes. Your desires change. They begin to become his desires. You then you begin to seek what, what's in his heart and what moves his heart. And that's what you're desiring and wanting. So his divine power, his dunamis power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I could just, oh my goodness, I could open up on that and stay here all night. So what? His divine power has given to us all things that are pertaining to life and godliness. Which means what? We have been given everything we need through his divine power. Amen? Through what though? And how? It's through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And I love this. It says here, the Greek word, right, for knowledge in this, you know, because there's, there's different words, Greek words for, for these English words. And it says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And the Greek word for knowledge here is used um, and it can be translated as a recognition, a discernment, or a, an acknowledgement. Okay? So, and I, um, I was teaching on these things a couple of months back, and I was thinking, I was saying about how, you know, unless we know what's in the Word, how can we apply it to our lives? You see, people are constantly saying, oh, I need more faith, Lord. I, I, oh, I need Melvin's faith. I've seen what he can do. and I've seen what you've done in his life. I've seen all of the blessings that's on his life. I've seen, you know, how far he's come. I need his faith. If I only had his faith, Lord, I'd be okay. No, but you, we know what the Bible says in here, that we've been given the measure of faith. Okay, so it's not a faith problem. It's a knowledge problem. Okay, it's because you don't know what belongs to you or you don't know what's been made available to you. Yes, your faith needs exercise. Yes, your faith will need to be applied to things and your faith needs to grow. But you have the same measure of faith we all do. Okay, so, but unless we have the knowledge, unless we acknowledge or recognize, unless there's a recognition or a discernment of what is in his word we cannot walk in all things that are pertaining to life and godliness. Why? Because his divine power has given to us to all, has given those things to us, but it's through the knowledge of him. So if we don't know him, or if we don't know him, which is his word, how can we recognize or acknowledge all the things he's put on the inside of us? His divine power has given to us these things, whereby... We have been given what? Exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these we may be partakers. Who's partaking in here this evening? Yeah. I'm a partaker. Yes, I'm taking everything that he's provided for me. Amen. We are partakers of the divine nature. So, whereby we have been given exceedingly great and, pre and precious promises. Church, where are his promises found? 
In his word. In his word. So by the word, we can become partakers of the divine nature. Do we understand that? Partakers of the divine nature, which means by his word, by the word becoming flesh in our lives, by the word becoming part of who we are, by continually meditating on those things, and I'll get to that in a few minutes, we can become more and more like Jesus. We can start to look like Jesus. Why? We can still, that divine nature is just starting to just ooze out of us. Why? Because his word empowers us to do those things, along with Holy Spirit. But without the knowledge of his word, church, we can't have these things. We can walk just like Jesus walked because of his word. So also it says here, by his word, by these great and precious promises, we have escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So we've escaped the corruption that we had through our sin nature of, and in our old man and our desires that are no longer lustful or selfish, but they should be righteous and godly. So when this divine living expression becomes part of who we are, we escape corruption and become partakers of the divine nature. How amazing is that, church? Amen. Amen. We, are, we escape that corruption because why? We're, well, because of our sonship. Because of who we are. God is so good. God is so, so good. We can have the same nature as Jesus has. We can walk in the same principles as he does. Because his word becomes our lifestyle. We're led by him in everything that we do. No matter where we go, his words are brought up to us. How he lived, how his example, how he lived as an example has been brought up to us. And remember we said that last week, John chapter 14 verse 26. One of the um, roles of Holy Spirit is to confirm to us and remind us the words that Jesus spoke. So through the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, uh, the word is continually coming up. Coming up, coming up because they always agree. They're always in one, they're always together. The relationship that God has called us into to his word, church, is one that we need to dive into. We should be letting it completely wash over us from head to toe. It's a relationship. Remember, relate. How are you relating to his word? We we need to remember that Jesus is the word. And we will take the time then to get it sown in our hearts. So I I like to look at it like this. We're no longer going to the word to discover something. And then going, going back and trying to fix something in our lives. Okay, going to discover. Okay, now go and fix. Right, I'll go back to the word and then I'll go and fix. Go back to the word and then I'll go and fix. But it's no longer like that. When the word's becoming flesh, when it becomes part of who you are, you're going to the word to discover. Yes, we should be going to the word. Yes, we should be going and, and seeing what the word says. But then you allow it to be transforming. You allow it to transform you. It becomes your new reality. And in order for this to happen, you need to continually dwell there. So, for example, you know, if peace needs to become your reality, right? If you're dealing with anxious thoughts, if you're dealing with tormenting thoughts, if you're struggling to sleep at night, if, you're, if your peace is, is trying to be robbed from you, okay? Let's look at a verse. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 6, and I'll read on down, it says, Be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, it's his peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Do you know what I noticed when I was meditating on this earlier today? It doesn't say whatever things are negative. Whatever things, you know, are downbeat. <laughs> whatever things are subpar. Whatever things the world are saying. Whatever things are fearful. It doesn't say any of those things, church. But why do we spend so much time there? Why are we constantly meditating on the negative? Why are we constantly looking at what we don't have instead of looking at what he's given us? Because it says, whatever things, if there is anything praiseworthy, we should have, I know for a fact that both, all, every single one of us should have our hands up here if we said to ourselves, is there anything that is, pr that is praiseworthy in our lives? Church, that's where we should be looking. That's what we should be meditating on, is those things. Not what's going wrong, not what's not right. But whatever things are pure, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, the things that you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So when you need this, when you need peace to be a reality, then you turn you begin to say, okay, this is, this is what God said. Therefore, if God said it, it is 100% truth. Okay, you need to get that settled. You can't go to the word and just believe parts of it based on your circumstances. Oh, this must not be true because I don't have it right now. Or this must not be true because I'm not, I'm not operating in it right now. You need to get past that and realize that God's word is true, full stop. 100% of the time, whether you're operating in it or not. Because whether you believe something or not does not change the fact of whether it's true. It's true whether you believe it or not. But whether you believe in it will depend on if you see it and are operating in it. But that doesn't change the fact that it's true. That becomes your reality. You start to say, I'm a child of God. Jesus, hold on a second. Jesus walked in peace at all times. Even when there were storms on a boat, he was asleep on a pillow. Even when people were fearful around him, even when diseases and sicknesses were thrown in his face and he was put on the spot and, you know, people were coming to him, seeking answers, seeking deliverance. He walked in peace 100% of the time, which means what? We can do it. But see, the problem is we don't believe that. Oh, that's Jesus, though. That's Jesus. But is the word becoming flesh in you? Like, do you believe what the word says when he says we're one spirit with the Lord? Do you believe what the word says when it says we're just like him in this world? That we've been recreated in true holiness and righteousness and we're perfected in our spirit man. If you believe those things, then you'll know that it's possible. You'll know that it's true. He is my example. I choose to meditate on him and all that he is. And then the God of peace will be with me wherever I go. Then it becomes your new reality because you're allowing the word to wash over you. 
It becomes so ingrained into who you are that it it effortlessly flows out of you. It's effortless. You're not going to the word, oh, digging and digging and digging and digging. And, And don't get me wrong when I'm saying these things, you are going to the Word and you are digging, but you're not going in a panic and, and, and trying to get something, thinking, oh, I don't, I don't have this. This doesn't belong to me. I need to go find this and, and, then apply, and then try and fix what's going on. Church, we spend our lives putting the Word in so when we need it, it just comes out effortlessly. We need to change our approach. Stop waiting for the hurricanes to come and then start panicking going to the Word. If the Word is aligned in your life, if the Word is who you are, it just comes out. When you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out because that's what's on the inside. If you're, begin, if you're beginning to be squeezed by the circumstances of life, if you ain't putting the Word in, the Word ain't going to come out. If you're putting negativity in, if you're whatever things are doubtful, whatever things are fearful, whatever things are troublesome, if you're meditating on those things, that's what's going to come out. And it's given away in our speech and our actions and whatever we do. This is what the word becoming flesh looks like. It's when you take a hold of it by faith and begin to operate in it. You have to step out. Don't be here only. Church, why do you think what do, why do you think Satan goes after the word? You know, Mark chapter 4, in verse 14, the parable of the sower. Okay, the Bible tells us Satan comes when? Immediately to steal the word. He comes immediately to steal the word. So why does he, what, you see, this is how he operates. He, he throws these distractions in here. He throws these, you know, things in here that, to try and get you to try and get you to the place where your heart's not ready to receive the word. He's not after you per se. He's not after, you know, that. he's after the word getting to you because he knows when the two of them are combined, you knock him out of the park. Okay? So he tries to get, get the word away from you before it's even getting to, get, before it gets a chance to be sown. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. His tactic is to steal the word. Because he knows what the word will produce if we allow it to transform us. So he won't wait until it gets planted, because then he knows it's too late. When he knows that it gets, he knows when it starts to produce, you know, yes, he'll try. And and if you read on down that parable, he tries to put in, you know, the tares and and the distractions of this world and, you know, know, greed and different things like that to try and, and stifle the word and choke the word in your life, you know. But if it truly gets planted on good ground and it begins to produce fruit, you get a revelation of what is happening and what is, what belongs to you. You, Church, you are unstoppable. If you stay in that place where you are continuing allowing the word to transform, you are unstoppable. His word is one of the greatest gifts that he's given us. You know, he, like the word and, and Holy Spirit are, are like, what more could we need, church? What more could we need? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 138, he's magnified his word above his name. That is a phenomenal statement there. We need to be given his word reverence and the respect that it deserves because that's how he magnifies it. That's how much he stands over it. 
when we become intimate with his word, we begin to engage with it. And this is what I want to talk to you about here just for a few minutes, okay? Is, you know, an exchange that needs to take place, right? And now, we all know, or, and if, for those that don't, I'll just explain it briefly, of the great exchange, okay? The great exchange. If we go and read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, For him that, w- that knew no sin became sin for us, so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what happened? What was the exchange? We, he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. I don't know about you, but that is a great exchange. What does an exchange mean when you go to a store to get an exchange? You're leaving back something that's not desirable to you or something that you do not need or something that you do not want and you're exchanging it for something that is desirable or that is beneficial or that's something that you want more than what you're leaving back. That is what an exchange is all about. The great exchange was Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. The word becoming flesh in us is when we exchange what is in our past, present, and future for what the word of God says. So there's another exchange that needs to take place. You see, when we were born again by the Spirit of God, our eternal future was sealed. We become a child of God, okay? He takes our sin. He takes our old man. He take, you know, that's, that's when we believe on him, when we receive him, that old man is, is done away with. You know, I, I spent weeks and weeks teaching upon, uh, about these things. That old man is done away with, and yes, we receive the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But unless we take God's word and begin exchanging out some things, We can stay stuck in the past, tormented in the present, and defeated in the future. Unless we start taking his word and exchanging some things. And let me just talk to you about that for a minute. So, we take the principles of the word and apply them to our lives. Jesus became flesh for us so that he could take upon himself the sin of mankind, impart his righteousness. It was debt free. It was debt free. In order to reconcile us back to the Father, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. But the exchange I want to talk about here is when we flush out the carnal things of this world from our flesh and from our minds and allow the water water of God's word to wash over us and transform us from the inside out. Okay, so you start to see things in the word. When that word becomes flesh in you, when you're meditating on on those words and, and we hear that quite often. It's, you know, meditate, meditate, meditate. And I just want to unpack that word as well in a second. But when you take that word and you meditate on it and you allow it to wash over you, you begin to see things in that word that you desire, that you know belongs to you. Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you and you're like, that belongs to me. That I, I, I want to see this operating in my life. You begin to take that other carnal stuff that is in your life, or, or, you know, when you renew your mind with the Word of God, you start to, to see things that are not of God. You start to exchange out for what's in the Word. And it's an exchangement of, it's, a, it's an exchanging that's taken place. The decision lies with us. It's not just, it's just not like saying, yes, we know that. Yeah, that's just another way of saying we renew our minds with the Word of God. Yes, we renew our minds with the Word of God. Yes, that's right. But it's more than just going reading something and memorizing it. It comes to a place of engagement. It comes to a place of, of when we are literally exchanging something. 
you begin to offload the parts of your flesh that don't look like him, and then you put on his character and his attributes. We only know what they are from his word. We only know what that knowledge, remember what we spoke about a few minutes ago, the knowledge comes from his word. Then you begin to walk in his glory, grace, and truth, just like it says in John 1.14. So turn with me uh, to Psalm chapter 1. I just want to read these verses to you. Psalm chapter 1. In verse 1, it says, Blessed, say blessed. blessed. Who's blessed in here? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in his word. And in it he meditates day and night. He should be, and this is, oh, I love this. This is the promise of God here. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. So whatever you put your hand to will prosper. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll constantly be getting that refreshment. You'll be constantly getting everything you need, that nourishment. When? When you meditate in the word day and night. When you delight in the, in the word. You know what, church? We should be delighting in the word. It should delight us. It shouldn't be, you know, you know yes, and I, I think I spoke about that briefly last week where I was talking about, you know, in the beginning or when you first get pressed in, things can be a bit of a task and then you need to discipline and train yourself. But see, that's where it is when that word truly becomes flesh and it starts to align with your spirit that's on the inside and you begin to get on fire. The word of God will begin to excite you and then you, you spend more and more and more time in it because it's delighting you. You find your delight in the word. What you once found your delight in no longer pleases you. You want you, The word of God delights you because of how good God is. We, we have conversations with Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but even when I'm reading the word, I'm having conversations with God. I'm having conversations with the Holy Spirit. If I come across something and I'm like, right, Lord, I know there's something there that you want to unpack for me. What is it? And he just starts speaking to me. And that might not even be just there and then. It could be throughout the day. Yeah. It could be in the coming weeks. Meditate, church, is not just, I need to do it in this moment right now and then just move on. It can be continual. You can just be allowing it to wash over you. Even one word, a couple of words, one verse. You know, I'm a very structured person, you know, when it comes to even my study time, say, you know, or even my, just my personal reading time. And I'm a structured person in that, like, I would normally would, you know, uh, take a few chapters in an epistle or take a few chapters in a gospel or take a few chapters in a psalm or a proverb or the Old Testament and, like, just kind of sp sp spread it out like that and very methodical. That's just who I am. Some people just like doing it, you know, whatever kind of comes to them, but I kind of just like to do it in that way. But sometimes when I sit down and I start in one verse, I don't even get off the verse. Why? Because you begin to have conversations with the Holy Spirit. He begins revealing things to you and then you don't get any further because he's just unpacking and unpacking and unpacking. The, the word is delighting you. That's what this is talking about. It has to be your delight. It's all about the engagement element. This is what I mean about there has to be an engaging. You're engaging with Holy Ghost. You're engaging with the Lord when you're reading his word. There's an engaging. There's an exchange in taking place. 
You are, you are like literally leaving. You're flushing out the carnality. You're flushing out the unrighteousness. You're flushing out the undesirable elements, the what is not of him, and you're putting in what's it, what the word has, what's in the word. There's an exchange in. Let's look at something detail here. The word meditate in verse 2. Okay, in Hebrew, because, you know, like the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. So the Hebrew word for meditate here is, is Hagah, right? And one of the words that can be translated as in English is imagine. Imagine. And actually further on in chapter 2 in verse 1 of that psalm, um, it says, uh, in, in the King James, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? It's the same Hebrew word, Hagah. Imagine. It's the same word that was used in chapter 1 for meditate. What's this telling us? It means when we're meditating on God's word, you were imagining it. We're imagining it. We're picturing it. Church, you're not just reading words on a page. You have to imagine it. You have to picture it. That This just opens up. You know, I, I taught on this a couple of months back just about, you know, the, how important your imagination is, okay? And, and I went into more, more of a, like a detailed study of it. But this here, it, it goes along the same lines. You know, you have to imagine it. You have to see it on the inside before you'll see it on the outside. And I say that often. This is a really, like, strong revelation that the Lord has shown me over the past couple of months and past year. That conception element, getting it conceived on the inside and then beginning to picture it, that's part of the meditation process. It's not just, okay, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and then you're meditating on it and you're memorizing it and that's what all meditating is. No, you start to picture and imagine grace and peace being multiplied to you. You start to put yourself in the word and standing in the word. This just opens up this verse completely for me. You know, we're bringing it to life when we're beginning to imagine it. You know, after the conception of God's word, it begins to grow. And then we imagine it and picture it coming to fruition. Okay, if you conceive it, if when the word gets planted in your heart, unless you start to imagine it, unless you start to picture it in your life, you'll never see it on the outside. God give us that ability to imagine. And this isn't a fairy tale type of imagination I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an imagination of that you're seeing it through the eyes of faith. You're picturing it on the inside. You have to exchange the picture that you see. If you're constantly imagining the negative coming to pass, that's what you're going to receive. If you're constantly imagining the negative, you're going to receive the negative. You need to change the way you, you think. Change the way you see things. It's discovering the wonders that are in the Word of God and then using your faith to imagine them, picturing and manifesting them in your life. As a child of God, you see, and this is important to remember, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Okay? So it's about, as a child of God, you know, we've received from God. We've received everything that, we got, that we're going to receive. Or he's placed everything on, on the inside of us already. We receive it by faith. But I mean, we're not, we're not trying to obtain something that, we, that doesn't already belong to us. 
It belongs to you as a child of God, but you might not be walking in it because you need to appropriate it by faith. So this imagination process, it's not, it's not trying to, you know, picture something, oh, well, well what I'm going to do is if he's saying that, I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to picture myself winning the lotto. I'm going to imagine myself going into the shop and buying the winning lotto ticket and it's going to happen. You know, church, <laughs> it's what is in his word. That's why the word says when you pray according to his will, he hears us. We can't just pray anything and then just, oh, it's going to come to pass. Is it according to his will? Is it in his word? Because if it is, then you can be sure you can stand upon it. We won't be able to, we won't know or be able to acknowledge every good thing that belongs to us unless we know what the word says. That's where we find these things. So we appropriate what it says by faith in order to walk in it. That's where our imagination comes in. You get the word conceived, you begin to imagine it and imagine it and imagine it. Our Christian walk, church, is about drawing out what God has already placed in there. Our minds are what gets in the way. Our minds are what gets in the way. So unless you change the way you think, unless you change what you see, you will never have the end product you desire. You won't have the end product you desire. And that doesn't mean God, it's not God's will for you to have it. It is God's will for you to have it. If it's according to his word, if it's in his word, we know the promises of God. We know he's come to give us an abundant life. He wants us to walk in divine health. He wants us to walk in prosperity. It's his will that we prosper and be in health in all things. But if we're not walking in that, it's because somewhere along the line, you stopped picturing it. You stopped picturing it. You're taking what you discover in God's word. You're meditating. You're imagining. You're picturing it. You're engaging. There's an engagement. It's not passive. You're doing something. You're engaging. You begin to change the way you think. When this happens, when you change the way you think, you change the way you believe. When you change the way you believe, you change the way you act. When you change the way you act, you change the outcome. It all starts with changing the way you think. Changing what you see. Changing what you see. You're allowing the word to become flesh. There's an exchange taking place. You're changing out the carnal, the carnal flesh for the transforming power that comes through intimacy with his word. You see, we're to be intimate with his word as well. You know, we say, you know, we're to be intimate with Jesus, we're to be intimate with Holy Spirit. We're to be intimate with his word. That's the reverence and respect that it deserves. We're to know his word. To get to the stage where, you know, it just oozes out of you. It just flows out of you. It's effortless. That's what we should all begin, that's what we should all get to be like, is that it just flows out. It just comes out, it just comes out, it just comes out. Because we're, we're spending so much time putting it in. You know, you can stay at surface level all you want. You can stay at surface level and you can gain head knowledge. You can memorize things. You can try and remember things. But unless you get to the heart level, that's where it's not, you're not going to be transformed, church, I'm telling you. Unless you get it into your heart, unless you go deeper, 
unless you start digging and seeking those things out, that's where the transforming power of God is. You know, because there's some of us, you know, may have better memories than others. If it was all about head knowledge, you know, some of us would be way better off. It's not about head knowledge. It's about getting it in here and allowing it to transform you. That's the place where we begin to that's the place where we begin to be transformed. So it becomes part of who we are. You know, for example, we go and read Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. You start to place yourself there. No, so when, when difficult situations come up, you start to speak the word and say, No, I can do all things because God has empowered me. Holy Spirit has empowered me. This is what the word says. You start to place yourself there. It's not just, oh, a verse I've memorized or a verse I know very well or a verse that's quoted time and time again. Yes, it works for some people now and again, but it might not work for me. No! It's in the Word. It's 100% true, and you need to start placing yourself there. You need to start picturing yourself overcoming all things. You, that's what you need to imagine and meditate on. When you meditate on it, it changes the way you think. This is how the exchange takes place. Okay, so I, when I said about it, you know, it affects your past, your present, and your future, right? We can truly let go of our past when we take a hold of, for example, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says what? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have, all things have, but there's a behold in there. And it's just amazing that Brother John was saying that at the beginning of the service and just even throughout worship and just even what the Holy Spirit wanted to say, just even in that word, behold. And I was looking at these things today and it, it, it's, it, that's a command. Behold, all things are becoming new. Jesus is saying, behold, which means look and see. Look and see at the new, not the old. Behold, all things have become new. So that's where he wants us to look. He doesn't want us to look at the old man. He doesn't want us to stay in the past. He doesn't want us to keep looking back. He said, behold, look and see, all things have become new. Is that what you're looking? Is that what you're picturing? Is that what you're imagining? What does that look like? What does that look like? Because if you don't renew your mind, if you don't stay in the word, if you don't allow it to wash over you, the old man, it'll, 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 it'll try and creep up there. It'll try and come in your mind. Oh, those, those, those character traits that you had, they're still there. They're still part of who you are. That anger issues or those resentment, those bitterness problems, they're all still there. And if you're looking there, you're constantly looking there, you will never be free from your past. Behold, all things have become new. We need to picture that, church then you can let go of your past. If you're constantly meditating on the old man and his mistakes, if you're constantly, I, I have conversations with people time and time again and they're constantly bringing up, oh yes, but I was this, or yes, but I was that, or yes, but this happened, or yes, but that happened, and they're living in the past. They're living in the past, not realizing, not having a revelation that the old man is dead and that all things have become new. That's where Christ told us to look and see. So if you are constantly looking at the old man, you're not engaging with the word. And that exchange hasn't taken place. You haven't exchanged that way of thinking for what the word says about you. You need to go leave that on the counter and then put the, what the word has in the inside. Your past. 
we can influence our present by taking God's promises and confessing them as our very own. Now. Now. Now, faith. Not tomorrow. Not later. Not next week. Oh, God, it's okay. I'll put up with this for now. I'll believe for you for that in 2023. New Year's resolution, Lord. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can sort out today. Don't put it off. Don't deal with it. Don't just grin, grin and bear it. Faith is now. When you take a hold of God's word, when you get into those promises and confess them as your very own, confess them that they belong to you now. Not that you, oh yes, Lord, one day. Oh Lord, when I'm not in pain, I've received my healing. No, you're healed now. Oh, Lord, when my debt is cleared. Lord, when, you know, when, when, when my bank looks better, Lord, I'm prosperous. No, you're prosperous now. How are you seeing yourself? How are you picturing yourself? It will affect your present. When you exchange the word for what the word says, it will affect your present. 1 Peter 2.24, what does it say? Who himself bore our sins on the tree having died to sin, so we might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We are healed. Not we're going to be healed. We are healed. We're the healed of God. So that's what you declare over your life now. In the midst of the temptation of sickness, that's what you are now. And when you take that approach, when you have that attitude, it will change your circumstances. It will change it. It will drive all sickness from you. And then your future. We can base our future off the successes of the word of God. You know, when we begin to place ourselves in the word, like I was saying, and see ourselves through the spiritual mirror, it completely changes our outlook. Remember what we said, the word of God is our spiritual mirror. Which means when you look at the word, you'll see who you are in Christ. When you look at the word, you'll see who you really are. Who cares what we look like on the outside? We're, this isn't the way we're going to be forever. You know, this, you know we're go, our spirit man is who you really are. Your spirit man is who you read. That's the real you. So the word of God is your spiritual mirror. That will show you what belongs to you. It empowers you to change. Like we can look at our father Abraham. Just like I said a few minutes ago where we take when we take our, the example from, our, from, from the patriarchs, from the fathers of the faith, we can look at Abraham. We can see that what? He staggered not through unbelief, but he stood in the promise. And what came in his future? His son. What came in his future? The promises of God were made manifest in his life. Why? Because he staggered not in unbelief. And he changed the way, and he, 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 he had a say on what, what his future was like. Because if Abraham had stopped believing, that was never going to happen. God had to keep Abraham in a place where he was believing. It was accounted to him for righteousness because of his faith. When we start to place ourselves in those people's shoes, staggering not at what it looks like, but remaining firmly fixed on Jesus and walking it out. We will continue to walk in all that belongs to us, even on to our future. You see, the decisions that you make today, what you believe in today affects your tomorrow. 
Because unless you take a hold of what the word says and believe it now and believe it today, your tomorrow isn't going to look any different. Oh, church, we need to get a hold of this and re- stop wait- sitting around waiting for God to do something. Sitting around waiting for God to come into the rescue. I say this time and time again. God has done what he's going to do. You need to grab a hold of it and, and start walking in it by faith. You need to start taking his word for all that it is, believing in what it is and believing in what it says, taking it as absolute truth and applying it to your life. God's word always has been, is with us now and it always will be. It is capable of wiping away our past, turning around our present and changing our future. The word of God is capable of wiping away our past. If you need your past wiped away, then you need to get the word of God into you. You need to do some exchanging. It wipes away your past. It turns around your present and it can change your future. But unless you allow it to become flesh, that's never going to happen. Unless you allow it to become part of who you are, you can't do these things. It doesn't happen automatically. You need to do some exchanging. We need to look and see that he is good. Isn't God good? We need to just look and see. We need to be beholding the right thing. Allowing his word to wash over us. Understanding what it is. That it's a gift that he's given us. Becoming intimate with it. Falling in love with his word. You know? Allowing that to be your standard. Not what you achieve this year. Or not, you know, what such and such is like. But what the, what's the word of God say about this? Well, that's my standard. That's what I'm going to be aiming for. Because this is what God's word says. That becomes your, it becomes everything to you. And that's the place where we need to be. Amen? Amen. Are we blessed? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Father, for the gift that you've given us in your word. We're so thankful, Lord, that we have your word with us. Your word that was from the beginning and will always be. It never fades away. It never passes away. So we will choose to stand upon those things, Lord. We choose to stand upon your word and never move off of it. We want your word to become so, so, so much of our flesh. We want your, your word to become, to consume us, Lord, and to become flesh in our lives until it just completely effortlessly begins to flow out of us. We understand, Lord, that you are the word. When we're reading the word, we're reading the very thoughts of our Father. It is the divine expression of who you are, written and in, in, put it down in written form. We're so thankful for it, Lord. I thank you for a fresh revelation, Lord, on each and every one of us. As we're pressing further, as we're pressing deeper, that revelation, Lord, comes upon us, Lord, of, of the importance of allowing that word to get on the inside of us. The importance of meditating, the, the importance of imagining and picturing it. We thank you, Father Lord, for all that you are. We thank you for Holy Spirit that, is, that reveals more of your word to us, that, that explains and peels back and teaches us about your word. And we thank you for those two gifts combined, Lord. We're so, we're so blessed. You've given us everything we need to prosper. You've given us everything you've, we need to advance 
Help us to walk in those things, Lord, in everything that we do. We thank you for our week, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your protection that is upon us. No evil shall befall us, Lord. No sickness, no disease, Lord, will be able to prosper against us because we are children of the Most High God. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. We thank you that no matter where we go or where we are, you are with us. Angels are going before us, keeping us safe in all of our ways. Lord, even when we're traveling on these nights and on these roads, Lord, that your protection is on us. No plan from the enemy will prosper. No wicked plan. We thank you, Father Lord, that we are safe and we're protected because we're dwelling in the secret place. We thank you, Father Lord, for an opportunity to give to you, Lord, to, to step out in faith tonight, to sow our finances, Lord, into your kingdom, knowing, Lord, that it is going to produce fruit. It is going to produce a harvest in our lives because your word says there will always be seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. So what we sow, we will reap. We thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of, of your word. That when we give, Lord, it comes back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Lord, you will pour out such a blessing on us that we can't contain. And we can continue, Lord, to bless each other. And give to each other. And give to your kingdom, Lord. So I thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We're joyful, Lord, that we get to do those things. We thank you for opportunities this week, Lord, to tell people about you. To share about the hope that's on the inside of us. Yes. To give people the gospel. To give them the good news that we've been given. Help us walk in love towards one another, Father, as the body, looking out for each other. Lord, just having each other's backs, Lord, encouraging people, encouraging one another, Lord, to advance. And help us walk in faith towards you, Lord, always believing, always trusting in you, no matter what happens or what comes our way. We love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that here at Island Church, we are covered by your blood. We're empowered by your word and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie